Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. Welcome. My name is Gary Wuffle, and I am delighted to be joined today by the one and only Rob Reichel, an outstanding writer, Packer writer for Forbes.com and Conley Media. And he's even had time to write eight books on the Packers. Eight. How do you do that? I neglect my wife and children. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can certainly see why. At some point, we're going to have to have a special podcast on your eight books and uh, discuss them. <laughs> That'll probably be a three-part series. So anyways, Rob and I will be teaming up for a Packer podcast virtually every week the rest of the season. And maybe we'll throw in some special additions as well. But for now, Rob, you got your game face on for our season opener here? Yeah, let's let's throw it on. The Packers sure had their game face on, didn't they, Gary? Oh, they really did. You know, some some of the things that we want to cover today, got an array of topics in wake of the uh, Packers' impressive 43-34 to victory over the Vikings. One thing we definitely want to talk right out of the shoot is A-Rod's phenomenal performance. I mean, he, he was on top of his game. Other things we want to talk about. How about that new Packer legend, Chris Barnes? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then two other things we want to definitely get into is the Packer suspect defense. And we want to take a little trip around the NFL. And for now, Rob, let's uh, start out with A-Rod. Your impressions? Yeah, um, started the year unbelievably strong, Gary. He, he's done this in recent seasons, and not to turn dark right away in the show, Gary, that the key for him is going to be to keep it going for 16 weeks. He faded pretty bad down the stretch last year, and, and that can happen as you get a little bit older. He's 36, and he'll turn 37 in December, Gary. But, I mean, if you remember last year, oh, I think it was about week five or six, Gary, they beat the Raiders pretty handily at Lambeau. I think it was like 42-24, and Rodgers was sensational that day. He threw five touchdowns, and, and after the game, he jumped to number one in the MVP race, according to the odds that were coming out of Vegas. I mean, he was off to that good of a start in 2019, Gary. For the most part, he, he played reasonably well last year, but that last month of, of 2019, he really did struggle down the stretch. I won't bore everybody with all the, the numbers, Gary, but I mean, he was 55% completion percentage and six yards, you know, per completion and things like that. Just, just non Rogers like numbers. And, mm-hmm. and he spent, we talked about this through the, through the off season, Gary, you know, quarterbacks don't lose their arm strength necessarily. I mean, Brett Favre could probably still come back Gary and play quarterback somewhere if it wasn't for the fact he'd have to take hits and that his legs just don't, bail him out of trouble anymore. Rogers is Are you starting a rumor way. already, Rob? Right off the no, bat. No, we, we won't go down that road, Gary. <laughs> okay, but, okay. But I'm, I'm just saying, even, even at 50 years old, Rob, Favre has the arm strength to go in and, and probably be a heck of a lot better than what 15 of these teams have right now playing quarterback. It's the rest of his body that would fail him. And Rogers realizes that. I mean, Rogers is his arm will keep him in the league for another 10 years, Gary. The question is going to be, can the legs do it? And so he spent a ton of his off-season work strictly on legs. I thought he lost his legs last year. Guys were running him down with, you know, 4-9, speed on the defensive line. That, that shouldn't have been catching him. Slow linebackers 
things like that. Uh, guys that would have never caught him five years ago, Gary. They were catching him at the end of last year, pressuring him, forcing him into bad throws, things like that. Rodgers understands that if he wants to play into his 40s, which he is – told everybody time and time again that's what he wants to do the key is going to come down to his legs his brain is going to be sensational as always his arm is going to be top notch can he keep the legs strong well the legs were terrific on Sunday Gary and and it certainly didn't hurt him that the Vikings had a completely inexperienced batch of cornerbacks trying to go out there and defend Green Bay's wide receivers and that they got absolutely no pressure up front from a revamped defensive line that lost far and away their best player in Daniil Hunter, who went on IR last week. So it, mm-hmm. it, it, everything really did set up perfectly last week for Rodgers. Young, inexperienced corners, no pass rush, a quiet dome, and he took full advantage, right, with a passer rating pushing 130, four touchdown passes, 360-plus passing yards, and, and those totals would have been even higher if, if it wasn't for a few drops along the way. So, no, unbelievable game one for Rodgers. Like we said, the, the question is, can he keep it up? Yeah, you know what? Like you, I've probably seen every game with Aaron Rodgers as the Packer quarterback, and I'm sure he had better games. I mean, he did. But I'll tell you what, I, I thought that might be one of his top ten performances, not, not only from a numbers perspective, but he was focused from the start of the game until the end of the game. You didn't see any bad throws that I can recall. Like you said, if they would have caught three of those passes, I mean, he would have been, you know, it would have been 35 of 49. I mean, that's remarkable. And uh, now the question is, can he maintain this, like you said? Yeah, 32 of 44, Gary. I'm, I'm just looking here. It, it yeah. escaped me for a second. And you think back, Devontae Adams drops the slant for a touchdown. That takes him to five touchdowns. MVS has a couple of really bad drops, one on the shallow cross that would have been a first down, one exactly. on that 50-yard bomb that where he had the corner beat pretty handily. So now Rogers yards, which were 364, probably jump in that 420, 430 range, Gary. And we're talking that he completes what 35 of 44, which is in excess of 80%. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. And again, it really worked to his favor that, the Vikings got no pressure that, that he could use the hard count time and time again to get, to get him to jump off sides. That just wouldn't happen in a, in a normal trip up to Minnesota, Gary, where the, where the noise is, is, you know, off the charts and, and through the roof. So he took full advantage of that. And um, you know, with, with no fans in, in the stands this year, that's, that's something that he, that, that's always kind of been a card that he's had up his sleeve and, and it works from time yes. to time, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work on the road normally. Gary, and, and he got yeah. it to work, work a handful of times uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. And, I tell you what, you, you give you give that guy who's already the smartest guy in the room most most of the time one more little trick to play with, and, and you could be looking at a really dangerous Rodgers here in 2020. I totally agree. You uh, mentioned about Devontae Adams dropping that pass in the end zone. Do you ever remember him doing that before? I, I'm sure he probably did at some point, but I couldn't think of any time off the top of my head. Yeah, his his hands are really good overall. It it, mm-hmm. it was a little bit of a, of a surprise. I mean, it was certainly a catchable ball. He also had that juggle on the sideline route, Gary. As it was, he had the 14 catches, which tied Don Hudson for the most in a single game in franchise history. You, you, you look at those two drops, and, and I'm sure that, that's what Adams will do through the course of the week. It, 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 he'll be thrilled with the 14 catches, and, and obviously all his fantasy owners will be thrilled as well, Gary, with that kind of stat line, 156 yards and two touchdowns. But Adams, I can tell you right now, 
as, as they go back and watch film, he'll beat himself up for the, for the drop on the mm. slant that should have been a touchdown. And then the ball that he juggled going out of bounds with uh, that, that was overturned and, and turned into an incompletion because he's a perfectionist and, and that's what's turned him into a really good pro. I mean, you think back to the year Jordy Nelson blew out his ACL. What was that, 15? So much was heaped on Devontae Adams, and he had really just an unbelievably disappointing year back then in 2015. And there were a lot of people that wanted to run him out of town after that 2015 season, Gary. Look, looking back, the PAG organization is thrilled that didn't happen because he, he's turned into one of the three or four best wideouts in football. You brought up a great point. You tied Don Hudson's record for receptions in a game. That's mind-boggling when you think of it. Don Hudson. I mean, we weren't born when Don Hudson was playing, and, and that record, you know, stood the uh, test of time. I, I Gary, mean, you sure you weren't born? Well, hey, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're too early in the podcast. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, exactly. Right, but, but, I, but, I mean, think of it. I mean, of all the great receivers the Packers have had over the years, I mean, Sharp and Lofton, for instance, you thought that mark would have went down, Donald Driver, et cetera. But to uh, stand the test of time, it speaks volumes about what kind of player Don Hudson was. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, you, you mentioned those books I did early on in the podcast, Gary. One of them, mm-hmm. I, I ranked the top 100 players and kind of moments in, in franchise history. And, and I sat down years back with the great Lee Remmel, who was the Packers yes. uh, PR director for a long time and the press box is named after him now and an unbelievably helpful man and he helped me put together the top 100 and I mean we, we went back and forth for quite a while on Favre versus Hudson and and things like that Favre ended up being number one but just when when you really delve into Hudson there are a lot of people out there who believe still believe I think Peter Peter King is one of them Gary who's who's always put down Hudson near the top of the all-time great football players we, we've seen so yeah for Adams to jump into to that conversation and to, and to have his name on the line there with Don Hudson just just shows you how remarkable you know he, he just what a remarkable player he's turned out to be for them because you touched on it too I mean sharp is all that Brett Favre had there for about four or five years to throw the football to Robert right. Brooks was was dynamic there before he tore his knee in in the mid-90s Antonio Freeman was among the best three or four wideouts in football and Donald Driver's got all sorts of records and, and look what Aaron's played with Gary from from Jennings to to Jordy Nelson and and now Devante um, even Randall Cobb working out of the slot, there were games where he'd see a dozen or 15 targets. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy that nobody else has hit that number, and now Devontae did it. Exactly. Let's move on to uh, the offensive line. You know, there are a lot of question marks coming into the season about the offensive line. And overall, I, I would have gave them probably a B-plus for their performance Sunday. Uh, Rodgers seemingly had plenty of time most of the games. But you know what? I, I'm one of those believers that, Rodgers makes the offensive line sometimes look better than it is because of his maneuverability, his uncanny knack of, you know, slipping out of danger and his mobility, et cetera. But overall, all things considered, I thought the offensive line held up pretty well. Well, I'll agree and disagree with you at the same time with with what you just outlined there, Gary, because a lot of what you said is spot on. But there have been a number of linemen through the years that, you know, have told me as these plays drag to seven, eight, nine seconds, that they're in the back of their minds thinking, <laughs> yeah. throw the damn ball, Aaron, throw the stinking ball. You know, because, he, hey, he's had really good linemen for the most part to play with throughout his career. And, and, and that group did just yeoman's work, Gary, on, on Sunday. 
he wasn't sacked. I think he was only knocked down twice. They already had to reshuffle going in into week one in terms of where they wanted to be with their preferred starters. They kicked Jenkins, uh, Elton Jenkins from left guard out to, out to right tackle. And, and Gary, they might have found out that that's his, his, his spot of the future, that he might be the long-term answer at right tackle. But uh, with Billy Turner down with the knee, they felt better going with Jenkins out at right tackle and, and inserting Lucas Patrick at left guard versus playing Ricky Wagner. But what they found through the course of the day, too, after a couple of injuries struck, that Ricky Wagner might turn out to be a serviceable player for him. He, he was dinged in camp. He's coming off a really bad 2019 season with the Lions, which led mm-hmm. to his release there. Uh, Green Bay signed him, thought he'd have a chance at, at right tackle. He clearly didn't win that job because they went with Turner. And then the Packers showed you, you know, at, at least coming into Sunday, Gary, he was number seven among their, their offensive linemen because they went with Patrick as the first man up when, mm-hmm. uh, when injuries hit. But, you know, now with Lane Taylor down for the year, they're going to they're gonna have to figure some things out moving forward. The, the good thing I think that they found, Gary, when, when they went – you know, a little bit deeper into the depth chart on Sunday is that they've got some backups here that, that can definitely play in it. And John Runyon, the young rookie out of Michigan. I love that. Who kid. Really? I love more that kid. Than the full, yeah. No more than probably the fourth or fifth guard, Gary. Once they, once they kind of set the final 53, he got thrust into duty and, and he held up extremely well. So, I mean, they've, they, they, they've got some. They've got some options. That they'll want to get Turner back, and and they'll hope to get Turner back this this weekend. But even if he can't, don't be surprised if you know the line plays well again against Detroit. I I think these guys that had to step up and and play a big role on Sunday proved they can do it. We know that left side of the line. They've they've got three guys there who are just bona fide studs. I mean, Bakhtiari's as good as it gets at left tackle. I think Jenkins is going to go to multiple Pro Bowls, whether that's at guard or or right tackle. We'll find out. And, and Corey Lindsley's always been to me one of the more underrated guys in, in football, Gary. He, he's a top eight or 10 center at, at the worst. I, I think what Corey Lindsley gives them is, is just terrific. He, he's smart as a whip. He, he's a grinder inside. His pass protection is outstanding. Rogers trusts him like um, trust him to death. So, you know, they're set Gary with, with those three guys being studs and then they've got to get two of those other four guys, however they choose to play them. Uh, just have to step in and, and, and do a respectable job. The, the guy you feel bad for, Gary, is Lane Taylor, who was who was really off to a good start. This, you know, had, had a great training camp, uh, was playing pretty well on, on Sunday before he tears up his knee, and, and now his career is obviously in doubt. It just, it just shows you how fickle this game is and, and how one play can, can really alter the course of a career. Absolutely. You know, prior to the uh, NFL Combine down in Indianapolis this year, God, that seems like 10 years ago, doesn't it? But, it really does. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to a player personnel director about Runyon because uh, I was kind of intrigued by him with his father being a very good NFL player. And Runyon played tackle at Michigan. This player personnel director said, you know what? I think he's going to be a pretty darn good player if they play him at guard. And uh, it was kind of a neat perspective. And uh, lo and behold, the kid's getting his chance now. I mean, he's one of those guys that's not going to wow you physically, but he just keeps coming. You know, his work ethic seemingly is off the charts. It's the great story, like you touched on with his father, the pressure and the expectations kind of for him all the way through were absolutely through the roof in terms of what others expected yeah. and wanted him to do. And he was a decent 
player at Michigan Gear. I don't know if, kind of like Rashawn Gary, I don't know if he ever really fully lived up to his potential there. And, and they got all that they could out of him at Michigan, which is one of the reasons I think he slipped into the sixth round. But, but yeah, your guy was clearly right. I mean, the Packers thought the same thing. They, they see guard as his position moving forward. He jumped in there again. He was what the eighth lineman, I guess on, yeah. on out of the nine on, on Sunday and yeah, held up extremely well. And I mean, they, they really didn't miss a beat. When you think of it down the stretch there, they're playing with Runyon and Wagner. No, I don't think a lot of people would have ever thought that or forecast that. And again, I, I, I'll go back to this. I, it, it certainly helped that, you know, Daniil Hunter's on IR, that the sure. kid Minnesota just traded to acquire from Jacksonville. I can never say his last name. It's unique. You and um, I, but he's name. pretty damn good. <laughs> really good, right? But but the fact that he couldn't play a full 60 or 70 snap right, right. And, and had his snap count limited was a huge help to Green Bay. You know, the Vikings are trying to overhaul the interior of that defensive line from last year. I mean, they that just was – that was nothing like – the Mike Zimmer defense that the Packers faced last week and, or I'm sorry, last year in week 16, that unit was completely overhauled from, from a year ago. And, and Gary, Hey, that Viking defense might, might be really good the second half of the season because those young corners that they have are going to turn into pretty good players when they get Hunter back on, and that they're going to have two really good defensive ends again. I mean, and we, we know how good they are at linebacker, but, but for Absolutely. week one, again, it, it was perfectly set up for Rogers the passing game and that offensive line to all go ahead and have a big game. No, I, I, I totally agree. Now the question is, I mean, it's only game one in the books, but do Runyon and Jenkins, if he does move to, you know, right tackle, are they going to hold up and perform, you know, at a high level? Because defenses are going to scheme against the Packers adjustments now and make life tough on those guys in particular. Gary, I think Jenkins is so good, it doesn't matter where you play him. And from the day they drafted him, I mean, he's 6'5 with 35-inch arms. He's a big, long guy. I mean, he just his measurables and his physical traits, you circle right tackle on the board when, when you're trying to figure out where to play him. You know, Green Bay obviously had an elite right tackle when Jenkins came in last year in, in Brian Balaga, a 10-year starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for injuries, Brian Balaga, he, he's going to re- be remembered incredibly favorably in Green Bay as it was. He, he might go into the Packer Hall of Fame one day, but he's, he's probably in three or four Pro Bowls through the course of his career, Gary, if he doesn't you know, suffer a couple of knee injuries and, and, miss, and miss a season or two along the way. But no, Je- Jenkins, Gary, to me, if he's at left guard, right tackle, it doesn't matter. He's He's just one of those guys that are going to be a lock, and, and you know in a 70-snap game, he's probably not going to have more than two or three bad plays through the course of the day. I totally agree with what you're saying. I just felt he played so well, especially for a rookie at left guard last year. You know, you would be reluctant to move him outside. But you're, you're right. I mean, he, he's a talented uh, individual who can uh, adapt to basically any position, so. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You have to ask yourself the question, right? Do do we make ourselves weaker at a couple of positions by moving him or by moving him? Do we, do we you know, plug a hole in the dam and solve one of our problems? Again, I, I think he's got Pro Bowl-level talent, whether wow. he's at guard or tackle. It yeah. really doesn't matter. And, and Gary, I mean, if you can lock up both tackle spots, and obviously they've got, you know, they've got an elite-level player in Corey Lindsley at center, 
and, and you kick Billy Turner then back to guard. And I would assume then the left guard is probably Lucas Patrick if he's, if he's healthy. Although again, it could be running if they like what they, they see on film. Again, the wild card is going to be Ricky Wagner who had 46 snaps the other day, Gary, and, and really held up extremely well. If, if they could go through that film and as an offensive staff say, you know what, we are absolutely fine with Rick Wagner. Let's not move Elton Jenkins out to tackle. And now the only spot they've got to go ahead and, and fix and, and fill is Lane Taylor's spot. And mm-hmm. they can just plug Billy Turner back in there, which is where he played a year ago. I think that offensive line will be absolutely fine moving forward. Interesting. All right. Now we're coming to what is undoubtedly my favorite topic of this conversation. The <laughs> Packers' newest legend. <laughs> Chris Barnes. Now, Rob, I, I know three things about him. He was a free agent. He played at UCLA, and he actually had a, a really good junior year. He, he put up some pretty nice numbers there. And thirdly, you know who his high school teammate was? Ooh. I, I'm putting you on the spot here. I didn't realize this you know, until Our, recently. Um, I don't, Gary. Okay, don't. I, I'll give you a couple couple hints. He's on the Packers roster. Okay. He is a rookie. Mm. And he's a real famous rookie for a guy that didn't even suit up Sunday. Oh, was it Jordan Love? Yeah. It was. Okay. I did not know that about him. Very interesting. (laughs) And they claim they didn't take him because he was Jordan Love's high school teammate. But I'll tell you what, it's looking darn good right now. Well, they're pretty happy right now they took him. I'll give you a fourth fact about him, Gary. It only cost $7,000 to go to go ahead and sign Chris Barnes, too. That, that's what they gave him as an undrafted free agent to come to Green Bay. So $7,000? $7,000. They, they didn't exactly break the bank to get Barnes to come to wow. town. So you think this kid's legit? I, I mean, it's one game. Who knows? But There's just no way with this small of a sample size, Gary. I'll just say this. I mean, they've already adjusted their depth chart. And Oren, Oren Burks is back to number two at, at right inside linebacker, and Barnes is is number one at that position. I mean, Barnes was undoubtedly a surprise starter come Sunday or last Sunday. I think everybody expected Burks to get those snaps, and Burks, I think, played three downs, or three snaps the entire game. You know, the third-round pick in 2018 that they keep waiting on and waiting on, and I think that wait's about to be over. And, you know, the Oren Burks era is going to be done in Green Bay here pretty soon because – you know, if Martin, the fifth-round draft pick, doesn't doesn't get hurt this summer, Gary, he, he's mm-hmm. starting um, at that other inside linebacker spot last week next to Kirksey. I mean, it's it's Barnes's job right now. Um, wow. And who knows, maybe even Ty Summers is ahead of Oren Burks. But I thought Barnes was instinctive, Gary. He closed extremely well, solid tackler, couple of tackles for loss. It was not a great day for the defense up and down the board. Uh, uh-huh. He was one of the guys that shined. He put a lot of good plays on film, and I would think he even has a chance for an expanded role uh, come this week because Kirksey didn't come off the field last week from the defensive side of things, and, and he didn't have a particularly great game. So I, it, it wouldn't shock me if, if Barnes' snap count, which I think was 15, Last week, Gary jumps five or ten at least this week, and they try to just find out more about him, Gary, what he does well, and, and give him a package and a role to play inside of because that early impression is an awfully good one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, who would have ever thunk that Chris Barnes was going to be the Packers' second leading tackler <laughs> against the Vikings? Seven tackles, five solos. And, and, and you know, the, the another crazy part to this story. 
I was told that he was looking at four teams in which to sign with, right? One of them was the Vikings. <laughs> so that is absolutely crazy. I mean, a huge win for the Packers there because I mean, Gary, we, we, I think you and I have talked about this, probably not on this podcast, but, but off the air. And a lot of people have talked about it a ton. This is a draft class that in all likelihood is not going to give the Packers a ton of help in 2020. It's a draft class for 2022 or 2023. I mean, it's, it's a draft class for down the road. When you look at love and, and Dylan and, and people like that, that the mm-hmm. top picks are, are, are pro, you know, the green Bay certainly doesn't hope it, needs a lot out of those guys in, in 2020. So they find this guy on the street, they give him seven grand. He comes in, you're right. Doesn't make the 53 goes to the practice squad, but gets elevated to the 48 last week and, and has as good of a game as, as almost anybody on defense, Gary, it, it, it's stunning. I mean, it's, his speed's not great. I think it's probably about four, eight. So he's going to have to be smart and instinctive to go ahead and, and, and make the kind of plays he did last week. That's going to come back to film study and stuff like that. But you know, he was a Mike there, Gary, in, in UCLA and, you know, played the middle in a 3-4. So, you know, it, it's a really good spot for him to get a chance to shine. And they're going to look for every way possible, I would think, after this game last week, Gary, to, to increase his workload moving forward. Yeah. Moving on here, I, I want to just address the uh, Packers defense for a few minutes, Rob. I can't believe we're leaving Barnes, Gary. You know what? We're going to devote that could have a podcast. Been a podcast. If, it's, if this guy has another game next Sunday, like he did next, against the Next Vikings, week you're going to have the Barnes jersey on, aren't you? People are going to say, Ray who? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think one of the disappointing aspects of Sunday's game, and there weren't many, though, well, it was the play of the defense. And to give up 34 points, I thought, is a red flag. I mean, we saw what the 49ers did to him in the NFC Championship. I mean, they just gashed him between the tackles. And I thought the Vikings did on several occasions, and I thought they would stick to that game plan, but they didn't. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, keep in mind, 24 of the 34 points came in the fourth quarter, right? And mm-hmm. at an essence, garbage time. At a point in time in the game, Gary, where I think the Packers were playing a lot of prevent and, and were almost so okay with them getting 8, 10, 12-yard chunks, and the clock keeps running. Now, the, the drawback, of course, is, is that's a horrendous lasting impression. I thought the defense was pretty solid, actually, Gary, you know, for three quarters. Uh-huh. I thought they were really yeah, good I, in the I, middle I, of the I, I game. do agree with you. You know, when, when the Packers went down 7-3, Gary, they scored 19 straight points. And, and really, I, I thought during that stretch, that's when Alexander had the – had the sack and the safety and then the right. interception then a, a series or two later. I thought the defense during that part of the game was really good. And that that's where the game did swing and the Packers mm-hmm. took control of it. And, and I think it wasn't a 29, 10, maybe going to the fourth quarter and Minnesota scores three touchdowns and gets three twos. It was a ridiculous way, obviously Gary, for them to end. And the stats are going to be, um, you know, from a, from a Packer perspective that they're, they're not going to be pretty Minnesota put up too many yards. Um, you know, I, I think they averaged seven and a half or eight yards per play. I mean, that, that number was really high, uh, giving up 34 points. And at the end of the day is, is unacceptable. I mean, they did a terrible job, no question, Gary, closing things out, but I, I don't want to read too much into it because again, you, you remember 2011. It is, it is well, one I mean, game. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and you remember 2011 when, when they were 15 and one, 
um, and they were blowing people out most weeks. I think that team scored 560 points, so that's 35 points a game. You look back on that group, Gary, and, and they were you know they were trouncing people uh-huh. week in and week out, and at the end of games, teams would you know score 14 points in the fourth quarter or whatever, pile up 150 of their 350 yards in the fourth quarter, things like that. It can be very deceiving, and and this was one of those games. I think the Packers led – you know, 29, 10, 36, 18, 43-26. They kept taking big leads, Gary, and, and, and then in essence saying to Minnesota, fine, suck up four or five minutes trying to drive the ball downfield. And, and not that we'll let you score, but no. we're willing to trade chunk plays for time on the clock. So let, let's see how this plays out over the next, you know, three, four weeks. I, I think the concerning thing, obviously, is if Kenny Clark is down for an extended period of time on that defensive line, that, that's already a unit, Gary, that, that's not very good outside mm-hmm. of Clark. And if they lose their best player up front, I think oh. teams are going to average about six yards a run, and they're going to try to just keep the ball away from Rodgers and hammer the ball at that defense all day long. I totally concur. Let's take a, a little whirl around the uh, NFC North, Rob. The Bears played the Lions last Sunday, and the Bears won 27-23. If not for uh, DeAndre Swift's touchdown dropping pass I don't know if you had a chance to see that (laughs) that kid is going to have a long week recovering from that I mean he was wide open should have been caught and uh, I'm sure he's going to be kicking himself for a while but let's start out with the Bears did you uh, have any takeaways from that game I was waiting for Nick Foles to enter that game at some point, Gary, and they got down. First what, quarter. Yeah, exactly, and, I, and I'm sure most of Chicago was screaming for the same thing. So, you know, Trubisky saves his bacon and he saves his job for, for at least another week. We'll, we'll see again how that plays out if they struggle moving forward. But I, I keep saying Chicago's roster to me is the second best in the division. I, I think it's a better I roster agree, top to bottom than what Minnesota has. I I, I didn't understand coming into the season, Gary, the fascination of Minnesota. To me, they're in a little bit of a rebuild. It, you know, we didn't even talk about them losing Stefan Diggs and trying to replace him with with mediocre guys and then a rookie in, in Jefferson. And Jefferson's going to be a really good player down the road. But again, he's he's, he's still a rookie. Diggs. I mean, exactly. So I, I think Chicago top to bottom, Gary, has a has a really good roster. Obviously, the the number one question there for a number of years has has been quarterback. And if Gary, if they even get C-plus level play or something like that out of the quarterback, I, I think they've got enough people around to win 10 games. And so that, that was huge for them to, to start the season that way. On the flip side, I mean, how classic Detroit, right? Isn't, isn't that just Lions football kind of? <laughs> yes, kind of, I mean, you, you feel bad almost for that fan base. They blow a 17-point fourth quarter lead in week one. And, you know, the young running back who everybody thinks is going to be a, a pro bowler, the, the kid who went ahead of Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin drops the, the game-winning pass. It's almost like they put on those blue jerseys, Gary, and, you know, it turns into, uh, you know, a blooper fest or something like that with with Lions football. I, I looked it up the other day, Gary, the, the NFC North, as we know it now, just the four teams, you know, that Tampa Bay was, was with this group until 2001. So, so it went to a four team division, Gary, in 2002 mm-hmm. and Detroit has been last in the division nine times since then. I mean, more than, you know, <laughs> roughly half. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it's just unbelievable. They had that 0-16 season in, in 2008, right? I mean, they've, they, they always seem to be in a rebuild, bring in the next coach and, 
and find ways to lose games like they did Sunday. I mean, the Packers have certainly had their share of, of dramatic wins like that over the Lions. It just That just seems to be, for whatever reason, Detroit Lions football, Gary. And that game almost played to the script of, of what you'd expect from those two franchises. Well, you know what, you, you know what Rob? We'd be remiss if we talked about the uh, Bears-Lions game without mentioning Jimmy Graham. <laughs> Jimmy Graham had three catches. He's found the uh, fountain of youth, you know. <laughs> what I, I didn't even see, Gary. What did he have for yards? I, I think it was three for 38, 39, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, I mean, it was respectable. The guy's That's a 33. big for Jimmy, yeah, and a touchdown, I know. So Yeah, um, so uh, maybe, maybe he's yeah. – uh, and, and, and for all the Badger fans out there, I don't know if they, they noticed, but Quintez Cephas was targeted yes. 10 times in that football game. It, it looks like he's going to be a, a weapon for, for Matthew Stafford. Boy, it, I'll tell you what, Gary. I mean, Detroit comes to Green Bay this week, and, and I don't know if Galladay is going to play their best receiver mm-hmm. or not, but when you really do look at that roster, they, they do have people. I mean, you, you remember last year those two games where Green Bay played against the Lions. I mean, Green Bay didn't lead any of those games until the buzzer. Um, it was it, it, Detroit led from start to finish, even in week 17 here when Stafford was out and they were down to a third string quarterback. And, you know, the, the Packers were lifeless for most of that game. De- Detroit has people, Gary. They, oh, they have, I, I, they I have totally agree. Talent all, all around the board there. Now they've got this bevy of running backs with, with Peterson and Swift and, and carry on Johnson and, and people like that. And again, if Kenny Clark can't go on, on Sunday, Gary, that that's their path to a victory a is to run the ball 45 point. times. Much like, yep. Yeah, much like San Francisco did in that NFC championship game. But, you know, then if they do want to turn Stafford loose, Gary, you know, Hawkinson was the eighth pick in the draft in, in 2019, their young tight end. He, he's going to go to some Pro Bowls. Like like I no said, question. if Holiday can play, you know, he, he's a stud. They, they have people, Gary – up and down that lineup and around the field, but it's just it's just one of those borderline cursed organizations, almost almost like the Browns or the Brewers yeah, or correct. or people like that, Gary. That just you 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 know when it when it gets to a certain point, you you just you you expect them to find a way to lose the game. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Anything you want to say about the Bears before we wrap up this segment? I think they're gonna, and I've said this all off season, Gary. I really do. I I think they're gonna give Green Bay the greatest run inside the division. I, I didn't understand the fascination with Minnesota. I know Vegas had Minnesota as the favorite to win the North uh, going into last week with Green Bay second, the Bears third, and the Lions fourth. And it, it was close, but I think I think the Vikings were like plus 170 and, and the Packers were plus 180 or 190. And you looked at Green Bay, first of all, to me, Gary, and in this really weird COVID year, consistency and continuity are going to be huge. And the Packers were bringing back 21 of 25 starters when you factor in special teams. I mean, that's uh, when you factor in kickers, punters, and long snappers. I mean, that that's huge, Gary. And, and I just – I didn't see – I just didn't see why people felt Green Bay would take this dramatic fall just because they didn't take a wide receiver or something like that back in April's draft. I, I still think Green Bay will win 11 football games. But, but to their Bears, Gary, for a second, I, I, just, I think that roster is still really good. That The team that won the division and went 12-4 and in 2018, again, if they can get quality, not even quality, Gary, but just not god-awful quarterback play. If, if they can get Trubisky or if it ends up being Foles, you know, even to be 
the 20th best quarterback in football gear. It doesn't have to be a right. top 10, right? Yeah. It just, it just, it can't be bottom five like it was last year. That defense is still really good. Um, I think they're going to get a lot more out of Montgomery on the ground this year. And we know what Cohen can do. And Robinson would be a number one on more than half the teams as a wide receiver in football. They've got a million tight ends as we know about Gary there. They're a pretty solid group top to bottom. I, I think they're going to be a wild card team coming out of this division. And, and, and Green Bay's not going to win the division by three games, Gary, like they did a year ago. I, I think the Packers go 11 and five range. I think the Bears can win nine or 10 and they're going to push Green Bay. Very good. We got two minutes left in the game here, but I wanted to uh, definitely touch on the NFL's handling of the COVID. I, I don't know what your perspective is, but I, I thought they have done just an incredible job of handling this. Oh, I can't agree with you more. People said to me all off season, and I'm sure you got the same questions, Gary, you know, time and time again, do you think we're going to have football? Do you think we're going to have football? And, and honestly, I, I kind of lean toward the negative there, Gary. And I said, I, it's going to be unbelievably tricky for them to pull it off. I said, there's so many, there's so much money involved. I said, I think they're going to try to plow through. I said, but I bet their COVID numbers are going to be high and they just plow through either way. Well, their COVID numbers, Gary, are remarkably low. I think they were the better part of 4,000 tests last week when you factor in all the teams and then their personnel across the league, Gary, and they didn't have a single positive. I mean, think about that for a second. I think the number was 36 or 3,800 tests or something like that, and they did not have one single positive. They've got all the checks and balances in place inside those buildings, Gary, to keep social distancing, to keep people away from each other. And then really, Gary, the biggest thing is that these athletes, I mean, and I'm shocked by this because you know young athletes like I do, uh, they're really <laughs> buying in. And at the they end of the day, Gary, in. they're going home. You know, they're, they're not going to the clubs. They're, you know, they're, they're not running around with, you know, unsavory folks in places they shouldn't and then like bringing <laughs> the stuff back. To the they're doing the right thing, Gary. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, no, I would have never it, thought that was going to happen. And, yeah. uh, and it is. And, and a credit to those a credit to the young athletes, a credit to the coaches, a credit to the league. Um, it's a league that gets beat up on a lot, Gary, and for, you know, much of it is certainly justified. They, they have done a remarkable job with this. Now, the challenge, obviously, and LaFleur talked about this last week, is they can't let up for a day, they can't let up for an hour, they can't let up for a minute, right? One guy makes a dumb mistake and a dumb move, and now all of a sudden you got 11 guys on the COVID. Well, we, so, saw, we, we saw that in Major League Baseball, exactly, you know? I mean, one yep. guy slips up, that's all it takes. But I, I wonder if Fauci's getting nervous. <laughs> he might be replaced by the NFL uh, uh, director of COVID situations here, but very, uh, very much so. Yeah, they, <laughs> we should have I'll, him running the country. I'll, I'll tell you what. I honestly, across the board, Gary, I, I'm pretty amazed that all these leagues seem like they're going to pull it off because I, I did not think that was possible back in June. That you know, we we might get to an NBA Finals, we might get to a World Series, and that the NFL was you know going to have a season. It, there, there's a lot of people in all these places that deserve some credit. Yeah, I, I saw some numbers I, I, the other day on this COVID situation in regards to the NFL, and they said they took 44,510 tests, seven positive. That's for 8,348 players and team personnel. So, man, if our, our, our country was only that uh, good, right? That's what I'm amazed by, Gary, is that all these 25-year-old kids with, with money to burn in their pockets are making the right decisions. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, they're, 
they're going home and, and, and a lot of them are being hermits and they're, and they're staying in. I think they fully understand, Gary, that there's going to be a trickle down, right? If they make a dumb mistake, let's just say I'm a, a backup middle linebacker and I bring it back to the team and now Aaron Rodgers gets it and Devontae Adams gets it and Aaron Jones gets it or whatever, you're, you're probably never playing another snap of football, at least in that league, the rest of your life, right? That yeah. you'll be blackballed yeah. in that league. There is no question. But again, across the board, these guys are all making the right choices and the right decisions. At least that's what it seems like, Gary, in terms of what these what these testing numbers show. So I'm impressed. And I, at the same time, Gary, I'm absolutely amazed. Well, I'll tell you what, Rob, it's uh, almost 45 minutes of podcast time here, and it's it's flown by. I mean, some really good comments by you, some very good insight. I said at the outset of the uh, podcast that it was a Gary, your nose is growing, but I (laughs) I haven't hit you yet, right? (laughs) But no, it it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm certainly sure that our listeners will have enjoyed it as well. So thank you, Rob, very much, and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you next week. Well, we're going to have a fun year doing this, Gary. There's no doubt about it. I I think this Packer team is going to be better than a lot of people thought. I think the head coach is really smart, and uh, Rodgers looks like it's it's 2011 again. So we're we're going to have a fun year doing this, Gary. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Take care, Rob. All right, buddy. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and Wuffle's Press Box.com.